good morning, church. Good morning, and Merry Christmas. Right. Hey, I love that. It's Christmas time, and I love this time of year. How many of you love Christmas? We got, oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. You just feel like Jesus is everywhere, right? I mean, you know, the carols that we sing and all the laughter and the joy just the season brings. I, I love that. I love as a church that we're in the middle of Cool Springs Mall wrapping gifts for free and getting to tell people about Jesus, you know, and handing out Bibles and prayer requests. I just love that. I love everything about this season. Uh, there's so many great things that are happening, and this is such a special time of year. And you think about it, right? This is the time that split history in two. I mean, really, you know, Jesus' birth divides history, right? B.C., before Christ, A.D., Anno Domini, right? The, the Latin, the year of our Lord. Everything comes back to this defining point. And it's amazing. And we celebrate, you know, as a, as a family, as a world, that we all come together and celebrate Jesus. Now, one of the things about Christmas that, that I love is, is Christmas movies, right? Christmas movies. And there are a lot of Christmas movies that are playing at our house right now, um, but it's not the classics. It's not like, you know, It's a Wonderful Life or Elf, like the big kind of classic ones, right? No, it's Hallmark movies, okay? There are a lot of Hallmark movies at our house. I live in a sorority house. I don't know if you guys know that, but I got, we got the Greek letters outside. It's a Simmons sorority house right there. And so there's Hallmark movies happening at my house. Now, I'm usually like sneaking off to go upstairs to watch because this is also a great sports time of the year. I got to tell you, college football, it's awesome, right? And the Titans are playing well, right? The Preds are they're coming back. You know, it's just like, you know, there's a lot of sports, a lot of good things that are happening right now. So, so usually there's a Hallmark movie happening somewhere in the house and I'm slipping out to see some sports. Well, the other night over Thanksgiving, I came down the stairs after a football game was over and all the kids are lined up on the couch and they're all watching a Hallmark movie, right? And so I come by and, and I've watched a few of these, right, with them. And, and so there I stand at the TV for a minute and I'm watching and I'm, I'm seeing this kind of movie unfold. And then it goes to a commercial and I'm like, all right, good night, you guys. I'm going to bed. And, and, and Grace is like, dad, there's only 10 minutes in the movie left. You know, come sit down. There's only 10 minutes to go. And, and I'm like, babe, I know what's going to happen in these next 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I will, I will tell you right now, right? She's going to say no. She's going to get on the plane and fly back home. And the queen mother is going to tell the prince, go after her, rescue her. And he's going to get on a plane. He's going to fly there and get on one knee. And her whole family's going to come around. They're going to be crying. And she's going to say yes. And then they're going to hug. I said, I got it down. It's going to be great. She's like, dad, have you seen this one? Right? You know? <laughs> I'm like, no, I haven't seen this one yet. But I, I know. So then I go off and I go to bed and I'm laying there in bed and I can't sleep. And I started thinking about that and I thought, oh man, I'm kind of starting to become cynical, right? I'm going to be like, that old guy was cynical about this. And, and I thought for a moment, you know, I, I don't want to miss it, right? I mean, there is this sweet story that's unfolding and, and this love that's happening. I started thinking about Lisa when I met her and I was like, oh, you know, it was so great, and those feelings. And then I thought about this, you know what? I just missed 10 minutes on the couch snuggling with my kids. And I'm laying right here. See what can happen so many times is the familiarity can rob us of the things that are really good. It can rob us of the things that are happening all around us. And it can become familiar. Guys, I think that can happen with Christmas. We've heard the story. We've heard it a bunch, right? We've lived it. We've done all the things, right? And sometimes it can become familiar. And we miss the impact. The God of the universe 
left the throne room of heaven and came down to those that he loves. That's Christmas. He came to you and to me. Not just was Jesus born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but he's born in us. And miracles are happening every day. Let's don't miss it. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Now, if you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. We'd love to give you one. Merry Christmas. It's yours. And just hold on to that. Uh, but we're going all the way back, B.C., Isaiah. So if you open to the middle of your Bible, you'll probably hit Isaiah. If you hit Psalms, go to the right, and you'll be there uh, real quickly. But Isaiah is this prophecy that was written 700 years before Jesus. Okay, so this is like the prequel, right? I mean, if you're talking about movies, I grew up with Star Wars 4, 5, and 6, and then they came out with 1, 2, and 3, right? Which weren't as good, but anyway, Star Wars number 5 still the best. But now I know there's all the ones that are out and everything else, but this is like the prequel, right? This is the prequel. So if you come here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 700 years before Jesus is born. And you're like, whoa, wow. But it's describing exactly how the Messiah would be, exactly what the Messiah would be like. Now, last week, T did a great job talking about wonderful counselor. And Jesus fulfilled all of that, wonderful, full of all, right? And the counselor who is with us, walking with us, leading us, and guiding us. And today we want to look at this, mighty God. Mighty God. Now, I got to tell you, nobody saw that coming, all right? All right nobody saw that coming. Uh, because back then, like if you were a pagan, you worshiped this polytheistic gods up there, and the gods didn't like people. Right? I mean, you've studied Roman mythology and Greek mythology and all that, right? You know, the gods, little g gods, just kind of put up with people and tolerated and they were just in a way and a nuisance. Even for the Jews, though, right, there was this separation with God. I mean, he is Yahweh. Like, there is this awe and this reverence and this respect. Like, Jews don't even write the vows for Yahweh because they don't want to mess it up and somehow offend God. And so there is this total separation. And so now all of a sudden, you see this. For us, a child is born? What? A son is given? And the government will be on his shoulders? You know, we called wonderful counselor, mighty God? Like the God of the universe coming to us coming to his creation, what? People didn't get it and they missed it. And people miss him today because God comes in the ordinary. God comes in the familiar and God comes to you and to me. If you turn from Isaiah, turn over to Matthew and let's see the birth account. Let's see this child who came and who changed our world and changed our lives. Matthew chapter one. And Matthew and Luke are the two that record the birth narrative, the two gospels you know, Mark kind of picks up with Jesus' earthly ministry and all the things that Jesus did. John talks about the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, and we see the whole Old Testament there. But Matthew records this. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. He's like, don't miss it, right? Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So before they came together, right? Now she's pregnant, the virgin birth, right? 
Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. Can you imagine that conversation? Mary coming up to Joseph, hey, Joe, I gotta tell you something. Um, I'm pregnant, right? And he's like, what? Yeah, no, no, it's the son of God, right? It's the Messiah. And he's like, yeah, right. You know, I mean, like, Joseph's like, what are you talking about? What's going on? What happened here, you know? And Joseph, who was committed to the law, and the law would have said, hey, she should be stoned to death. I mean, that's what the law would say, but Joseph was a man of character, integrity, and he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, and so he was just going to divorce her, kind of move on with his life, his heart broken. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, I don't know if you underline your Bible, but that's a great place to underline right there. He will save his people from their sins. That's the whole purpose statement of Jesus. That's the whole mission statement. Jesus came and performed incredible miracles, awesome teaching, yes. But the reason he came was to save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. 700 years before, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you're like, whoa, wow, all this fulfilled. Mighty God coming near in the ordinary and in the familiar. And I can imagine as Mary held I just started to think about that, right? Mary holding baby Jesus in her arms. Some of you are parents or your grandparents. You remember that feeling of holding your child in your arms, that baby, and you're just like, wow. Tears streaming down your face. But think about her holding God in the midst of the ordinary, in the midst of a stable, in the midst of a, a manger and animals around. But yet God, the God of the universe, came to us. Jesus' birth, <laughs> But then in Jesus' life, in Jesus' life, look over here, Matthew chapter 14. Look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So here's Jesus sending his disciples out on the Sea of Galilee, a place they had known and they had gone hundreds of times. They were fishermen. They grew up there. They're out fishing in the Sea of Galilee. And just like they're in a stable in a manger, you wouldn't think, hey, the Son of God's going to come down and be right here, you know, in a birth. Hey, look, God comes to them in a place that was very familiar. After he dismissed the crowd, right, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now what's amazing about this to me is here's these guys who are professional fishermen and they're out in the boat and they're scared. They're in the middle of a storm. Maybe you're here today and, and you kind of feel like your life's in a storm right now. Maybe you feel like, man, there's just trouble and it's hard and it's difficult. Uh, maybe for you it's financial, right? You're just looking at Christmas, you're like, wow, it's 
wonderful, but how am I going to pay for all this? And what are we going to do? And, or maybe relationally, there's this kind of a storm happening in your life. And you're thinking about everybody coming in for Christmas or you're going there and how the relationship's going to be. But, but look, in the middle of the ordinary, in the middle of the storm, Jesus comes to them. Jesus walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And maybe you don't need to hear anything else today, but hear that. Hear Jesus saying to you, take courage, <laughs> take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. I've got this, I am God, I'm God. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, I love Peter. I mean, most of us, we, we kind of identify with Peter. He's impetuous, and he's like, oh, yeah. And he's, a lot of times he's putting his foot in his mouth. And, but, but Peter's like, you know, Jesus, I'd rather be with you out there than in this boat that's sinking. Tell me to come to you. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind. Now, can you see the wind? No. Can you see the worries and the fears in our lives? No. Can you feel the effects of the wind? Yeah. Now notice this, it says when he saw the wind. So what did he do? He took his eyes off Jesus, didn't he? He took his eyes, he was looking at Jesus. He was walking toward Jesus. And then all of a sudden he starts to look around and all of a sudden what happens? He became afraid and he begins to sink. Beginning to sink, he cried out, and underline this, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And that's what I love about Peter, right? Peter didn't like begin to sink and say, hey, maybe I can swim back to the boat. I'm beginning to sink. Maybe I can tread water. Maybe I can hold it in for a little while. He just immediately goes, Lord, save me. And maybe you're here today, and man, there's, there's a storm all around you, and you're trying to figure your way out of it. You're trying to fight your way out of it. You know, there's disagreements that are happening in relationships, and you're trying to win. At some point, you just come, Lord, save me. God, I need you. I need help. I need hope. God, I'm coming to you. You redeem me. God, you restore me. And immediately, look at that word, immediately, Jesus didn't let him like, hey, go a little bit, try to figure it out. You know, hey, sink a little bit, get a little water. So you remember this? No, he said immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why'd you doubt? Why'd you doubt? Why'd you take your eyes off me? Why'd you start doing that? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Truly you are the son of God. Fulfillment from 700 years before. You are God. You're here with us in the boat right here, right now. And our lives will never be the same. Jesus comes to us, right? He comes to us in the familiar. He comes to us in the ordinary. He comes to us and says, look at me. Focus on me. Follow me. I am with you, Emmanuel. God with us. But then even at Jesus' death, <laughs> turn over to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. We see Jesus' birth, a child is born, a son is given. We see Jesus' life. He is truly the son of God. And then at his death, and you know, death is the hardest time for us, isn't it? Death is that time when it's like, man, 
We don't know what's next, but we know because God's word tells us what's next. God tells us what's going to come. But there's still that fear. There's still that worry, that concern for some of you. Christmas is hard. Because there's going to be somebody who's not going to be here this Christmas. But here's the thing. Jesus is God over death. And Jesus came to make a way for you and I to see our loved ones again, made a way for you and I to be with them forever. And even at Jesus' death, we see him as mighty God. Jesus lived 33 sinless years on this earth, arrested on trumped up charges, (laughs) nailed to a cross. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. You sinned, I sinned. And the price had to be paid and Jesus took our place. Jesus paid the price. He died on that cross and it tells us what happened that day in verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now the curtain at the temple separated the holy of holies from where everybody else was. So like you come to worship at the temple, you can only get so far, right? There was the court of the women. You can only get so close to God. Then there was the court of the Gentiles. There was the court of the men. There were all these separate courts that you couldn't get really close to the Holy of Holies. In fact, only one day a year, right, would the high priest go in behind that curtain and offer a sin of atonement for all the people. And it was on that day that they would tie a rope to his ankle in case he died in there in the presence of God that he could be pulled out. And there is this giant curtain that would separate. It was like 24 feet high, three to four feet thick. And it says at that moment when Jesus breathed his last, the curtain veil was torn in two from top to bottom. God saying, I've made a way. I've paid the price. Hey, you can have eternal life with me. What? Good news, the temple, the temple veils torn in two, the earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open, the bodies of many holy people who had died and were raised to life. And they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the son of God. This centurion who's used to killing people, who that's what his job was, and the Romans were really good at it. And the centurion sees all this happening and going, whoa, surely you're the son of God. 700 years, Messiah is here. And our world will never be the same. And Jesus came and he conquered death and made a way for you and me to have eternal life with him. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. He is wonderful counselor, but he is mighty God. Emmanuel, God with us. If you're taking notes, here's some things I'd love for you to write down today. Don't miss this. First of all is this. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. He is the fulfillment. The entire Old Testament is leading up to Jesus. The entire New Testament is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And you can spend a lot of time trying to find fulfillment in your life in a lot of other ways, right? The world does it all the time. Money, relationship, a person, or whatever else. It's Jesus who is the fulfillment. That's where life makes sense. Jesus is the Messiah. Matthew's account, here's the beginning. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. 
You know, there are Messianic Jews, right? A Messianic Jew is somebody who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. But there's a lot of Jews who are still waiting on the Messiah to come. You're saying the Messiah is here. He's here. He's the fulfillment of all that there is. In the Old Testament, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the first coming of the Messiah. And all these are fulfilled in Jesus. Now, the probability of this is astronomical, you guys. I mean, let's start going through them, right? You, you, you got here this Isaiah 9, 6, that a child, I mean, he would be a child, he would be born, right? You know, that he'd be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, that he'd be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7, 14, that he'd be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5, 2. You know, you go into Jeremiah, that he'd be the, the shoot of Jesse. Isaiah 53, that by his wounds we've been healed. Everyone fulfilled in Christ, Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophecies. I had somebody say to me recently, they said, well, yeah, but couldn't all that have been written later? Right, like, like, like what do you, like, you know, I mean, that's pretty incredible because, you know, but, but did somebody come back and write that later on and then that way Jesus fulfilled all that? And you're just like, uh, no, no. Yeah, I mean, here, let me just geek out just for a moment, okay? One of the great, greatest archeological discoveries of all time is the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls, right? Get this, 1948, 1948, when Israel was coming back to the land. I mean, that was a miracle, right? After World War II, the, all of a sudden the land comes back into Israel and people are coming from all over and they're reestablishing in the land. In that same year, in 1948, there was a shepherd out at En Gedi and Qumran down by the Dead Sea and one of his sheep fell into a cave. It was a cave, this cave, cave number four. Cave number four at Qumran. And when the sheep falls in, the shepherd jumps down. This is 1948, right? And he finds these jars like this. All of these jars in there. And when they go in and they start pulling out these jars, you know what they found? Scrolls like this. That is the Isaiah scroll. That Isaiah scroll dates back to 100 years B.C., before Christ. And it is exactly accurate to the translations that we have right here, right now, today. They found every one of the Old Testament books, except for Esther, that was found in these caves there in Engedi. And how incredible is God's timing? It's like God's bringing the people back, and they're coming back in the land, and up out of the land, God goes, he's already here, the Messiah, the fulfillment of all the prophecies right here, right now. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All right, number two, Jesus is mighty God. He is mighty God. There's a lot of people who go, hey, Jesus was a, a, a great man. He was a prophet, you know. I mean, other world religions would say that. I mean, there's a lot of respect out there for Jesus. But, but no, he's not just a, a great man uh, or not just a great teacher or a moral leader. Jesus is God, fully God. The humanity and the divinity of Jesus. And both are important. Both are essential. God, in his sovereignty, knew this. Jesus, fully man and fully God. And we see that there even in Isaiah 9, 6, right? For to us, a child, humanity, is born. To us, a son, the divinity, is given. And the people are like, whoa, wow, we didn't see that coming. But he is here. Every time you see a nativity, you should also think about the cross. Every time you see a nativity, you should also think about the cross. See, a lot of people, you, you see the nativity, it's familiar, you drive by it, and there's a lot of people who live like that. 
A lot of people go, oh yeah, sweet baby Jesus. Eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, right? Right there, you know? And the manger, there he is. I'm just gonna go and live my life however I wanna live it. Do whatever I wanna do. But there's eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus that I'll pray to every now and then. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I am fully God, right? I am fully God, right? The humanity, but the divinity. And the reason I'm here is to pay the price for you. I am God, and I want to impact the way you live. Jesus can identify with your struggles. He can identify with the struggles that you're facing even today, even the things you're going through. And yet he has the power to atone for our sins. He has the power to atone for our sins. Hey, as mighty God, Jesus is sovereign over the world. And guys, don't miss that. Colossians tells us this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. See, Jesus didn't just show up on the scene 2,000 years ago in a stable there. Jesus has always been. All things were created through him. And notice that last part, all things were created for him. You were created for God. You were created for a relationship with God. That's when your life makes sense. That's when you begin to come alive. Nothing is too great for him. Think about that in your life. Think about the struggles you face. Think about the challenges you go through. Nothing is too great for God. He is sovereign over the entire world. Jesus brings life. <laughs> he brings life. And maybe you feel like, man, already Christmas is out of control. It's already crazy. It's already chaotic. Listen, Jesus brings life. Jesus brings hope. Brings us, Jesus brings joy into your Christmas, into your life, into your heart. One day we're all going to stand before God. And he's going to ask us this. He's going to say, number one, he's going to say, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And just as Jesus becomes the defining point of the world, right? B.C., A.D., everything defined by Jesus. Jesus becomes the defining point of your life. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've called out, truly you are the son of God? Truly you are enough. Lord, save me. Or are you still busy trying to save yourself? Second question he's going to ask is this. What did you do with what you were given? Did you just use it for yourself? <laughs> or did you further God's kingdom? Did you make a difference? One day we'll stand accountable before holy God. Jesus' mighty God comes to you. Jesus' mighty God comes to you. Guys, don't let the Christmas story become so familiar that it's just something you read or you hear and you kind of go on. Think about this. God came to you. God came near. This is the joy of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. In the familiar, in the ordinary, in the hurt, in the pain, God's here. And Jesus is here for you. Jesus is walking on the water to you. Jesus is walking into your world for you. Jesus is extending his hand to you. Lift up your hand and see that Jesus is already 
reaching out to you. Today could be a defining point for you. Today could be a time where you just say, Jesus, I need you. I wanna walk with you through the rest of this season. Hey, this Christmas, see Jesus. Don't take your eyes off him. It's easy to see the wind. It's easy to see our worries. It's easy to see our fears. Our mind automatically goes there. But you stay focused on Jesus. It's called Christmas, right? Christ. Christ means Messiah. That's what Christmas. It's Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah. It's Jesus' birthday we celebrate. So often we think it's our birthday, though, right? We go shopping, and we're like, oh, one for them, and two for me, and one for them, and that's my size, you know? It's like, it's easy to kind of turn it back in to being about me. It's like, no, it's Christmas. Don't miss him. Don't miss him. Guys, don't let the familiarity rob you of seeing Jesus this Christmas. So often we'll think that Jesus is coming to come to a, a big palace or a big mansion or, or some big place, and yet he's right there in the hospital room. He's right there in the kitchen. He's right there in the living room. He's right there with you. Don't let the familiarity rob you. You remember holding that baby and tears coming down your face, and so quickly that can just become a child in the back seat. Remember dating your spouse and remember the feelings and the tingle and it was so fun and could so quickly become, hey, you're upstairs and they're downstairs and we're just kind of going by and going through the routine. Jesus comes in the ordinary. He comes in the familiar. Don't miss him. Look for Jesus, mighty God, this Christmas. Guys, I, I don't care if you get every present bought. I don't care if your Christmas cookies are perfect. I don't care if your Christmas cards make it to everybody they need to go to. If you miss Jesus, you've missed Christmas. You've missed him. See, Jesus, as C.S. Lewis says, was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And he was. He claimed to be the son of God. So he was either a liar or he was a lunatic. He was delusional. Or he truly is the son of God. As there come a time in your life, he said, Jesus, you are the son of God. You are the son of God. I was reading the other day about these guys who were the one, some of the first to scale one of the highest mountains in Europe. And they had this first-hand account, and one of them was saying, you know, on the days when we could see the summit, on the days when we could see the peak, we all worked together. We were all focused. We had a bounce in our step. We were, had a lot of energy. We knew the goal. But on the days when it was cloudy and it was overcast and it was snowing and it was freezing, those were the days we made very little progress. Those were the days we complained the most. And those were the days when we had backbiting inside our group. But the days when it was clear and we could see the summit, we made a lot of progress. Hey, this Christmas, focus on Jesus. This Christmas, focus on Christ, even in the midst of the challenges, the struggles, the difficulties, because he's here. This past Friday, I called AT&T customer service. I don't know if anybody's ever had that joy to call AT&T customer service, but I did on Friday, and I had a little change in my service I needed to make, and so I called, and sure enough, I get the robo answer, call person, 
thing, AI, whatever it was, and I enter in all my information, right? And then they transfer me to somebody else. And then somebody gets on the phone and they say, can I have all your information? And I say, I just gave all my information to robo person over here, but okay, I'll give you all my information. So I give all my information. And then they say, well, how can I help you? And I say, well, this is what's going on with my service. Can you help me? And they say, oh, unfortunately I can't. That's not my department. So let me transfer you to somebody else. And sure enough, I go to somebody else and I'm talking to them and I give them all the same information. And I say, can you help me? And the third time they say, no, that's not my department, but I will transfer you to the right department. So now I'm on department number four or three, however you count, if it's two live people and one robot, I don't know. But, but now I'm on the fourth department and the lady comes on the phone and says, hey, how can I help you? And I said, here's my issue. Can you help me? And she said, I can help you with that, but my computer is buffeting, so it's going to take a few minutes. I go, really? Wow, great. Thank you. Okay. Then she says, out of the blue, so how was your Thanksgiving? And I said, uh, it was fine. Guess your computer's still buffeting. I don't know. You know, it was fine. It was okay. And then I respond, well, how was your Thanksgiving? And she said, well, it was really hard. I was like, wow, I didn't expect that. Uh, and I said, well, I'm sorry. And she said, yeah, she said, you know, my husband and I, it just doesn't seem like he's got any feelings anymore. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, we've been married a long time. You know, when we first got married, it was really fun and it was great. And she goes, but now it's just, I don't know. So it's like we're living two separate lives. I'm like, well, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, I... I just know this, I know that maybe you ought to talk to him about it. And she goes, I don't know. I don't know if he'll do any good. And I said, well, I just want to encourage you, maybe sit down and talk to him. Because here's what I do know. I do know that, that feelings follow actions. And so if you start acting maybe and differently and you guys start working together, then maybe the feelings will come back. And you guys start working on that marriage. And she goes, I just don't know if there's any hope. And I said, well, I want to tell you this. It's Christmas, and I always believe that there is a God of hope. And I want to tell you right now that I'm going to be praying for you, and I'm going to be praying for your marriage. And I don't know where you stand with God, but, but I want to encourage you to find a church wherever you are. And I, and I want to just tell you, I'm going to pray that God comes in this Christmas and into your marriage, and God brings hope. She goes, do you think he will? I said, I know he can. And I know he will. Just open your heart to him. And I said, can I pray for you? So here I am at AT&T customer service, right? <laughs> Lisa was like, what's going on? You know, I'm like, praying with this lady, you know? <laughs> and so she's like, I can't believe that. You know? And here I am, and I start praying for this lady at at and And man, now I'm starting to cry, you know, and, and I can hear her on the other line. And, and I'm praying for her marriage, and I'm praying for her. And, um, you know, we, she's like, thank you. And I'm like, hey, listen, please, please, please get to know Jesus, you know, find a Bible. And, and I just encourage you. And she goes, well, I'll take care of your issue. I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And, and I don't care anymore, you know. I want you to know Jesus, you know. And, uh, and then after we hung up and I just thought there and I thought, I just kind of leaned back. And I go, God, how amazing are you? You know, you like sent me to three different people and a robot, you know, to get me over to this lady, Brenda, right now. And I said, God, don't even miss it. I almost missed it. I was frustrated. And God, I almost just like kind of just gave up on this. But God, you had a plan and a purpose. And guys, I want to tell you the same thing. Listen today. God has you in the marriage you're in for a reason, for a purpose. 
You are the mom, the dad, to your kids for a reason and for a purpose. You're the grandparent you are for a reason and for a purpose. You have the roommates you have for a reason and purpose. You went to the college you went to for a reason and for a purpose. And God has you. Don't miss him. He comes in the ordinary. He comes in the familiar. He comes right now to you. I was talking to a guy last week, and he said, Jeff, 36 months ago, 36 months ago, my life changed. He goes, I grew up going to church, but he goes, it was so familiar. It was just routine. We just went through the motions. And when I graduated, I went off and I started this company. I made a lot of money and, and I was running around the world. And he goes, but then 36 months ago in a hotel room, God got a hold of my heart and I got on my knees. And my life has not been the same since. And he look, goes, I love church. I can't wait. I come down, you'll see me. I'm sitting on the second row. And he goes, I just want to worship. He goes, because of what God's done in my life. And I was like, yes. That's what God wants to do in you. So this Christmas, you can know the story, but do you know Jesus? Do you know the one who came to change your life for eternity? The one who came to bring hope into your marriage, the one who came to bring love into your family, the one who came to bring joy and purpose into your life? That's Jesus, Emmanuel, God with you. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God is here. And whatever you're facing, he's enough. Maybe right now, today is a day of salvation and you just go, God, Lord, save me. I've been trying to do it all on my own. I've been trying to figure it out myself. And Jesus, I need you. I need hope. I need help. Maybe this morning, you're like, man, I've become cynical. I've lost the feelings. And, and God, I pray that you'd bring joy back into my heart, back into my life. Maybe this morning, you just want to pray over your marriage or over your family. Maybe you want to pray, Father God, open my eyes so that I just see you. And not the wind and not the worry, not the fears. Jesus, I want to see you. So Father God, here we are. Your disciples today. And Father, we want to exclaim, truly you are the Son of God. Mighty God with us. In the ordinary, the familiar of our life, Lord, you came near. And you promised to never give up on us. So Father, today we commit our lives anew and afresh to follow, to trust, to be the men and women you create us to be. Thank you, God, for your presence. <laughs> and thank you for Christmas. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen. After the service, I'll be here. There'll be people on our staff, our pastoral care team, our A6 team who'll be right here. We'd love to pray with you or pray for you. Guys, whatever you're going through, listen, you're not alone. You're not alone. I've prayed with people after every service. And I just want to tell you, God is moving and God is working. And he's here, right here, right now. So trust him and know that you've got a family around you who wants to walk with you through whatever you're going through in life. This time I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in the things of God. 
If you're a first-time guest, all we ask is you would give us your communication card and we could follow up with you. If, if you have a prayer request, you guys as a staff, we, we pray through every prayer request. Our A6 team, we pray through every, we've seen God do miracles. He is mighty God. So just drop those in the basket and we'll pray with you and we'll pray for you. So let me say a short prayer right now. Father, thank you. Oh God, thank you. That you left the throne room of heaven and came to us, those you created. God, thank you that you're a God of love and a God of grace and a God of mercy, that your mercies are new every morning. God, great is your faithfulness. So Lord, everything we have comes from you. And so right now, we just want to be generous. We want to give back to you, God, what you have given already to us. Take what is given, multiply it, and use it, Father, to transform lives around the world for your name and your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we give. Amen. Amen.